Good afternoon, this is The Underboss, and I would like to start out this podcast with a couple of warnings. This is going to be talking about suicide, and and it's been a while since I've talked on this podcast, probably, oh, close to a year, uh, less than a year, but maybe nine months, and I think uh, it's because I've lost the urge to talk about things, but some stuff happened to me, and I figure... If I'm not going to talk about it, uh, I should should bring it up and talk about it. And um, I always bring music into this. So the song that's going to be associated with this is going to be uh, Suicidal Thoughts by the Notorious B.I.G. And and I think uh, it's, it's, it's important to think about that song in the context of what I'm going to talk about because it could happen to anybody. Um, you know, in the song he's talking about, he's no good and he feels like he's no good and he's ready to die and he's thinking about killing himself and all that stuff. And and I got to a point in my life where in the past year, about I would say about three months ago, where I got to my lowest point where I was ready to kill myself. And it was a combination of things. It was a marriage that was uh, falling apart, and I was doing things that probably I shouldn't have been doing. And it was just me not knowing how to cope. But the big thing that happened to me was that I got off my medication. Now, a little backstory. I'm a 20-year veteran in the military, and I probably should have been on medication for most of those years, but with the stigma that is uh, is mental health or mental illness in the military, you can't do your job while you're, you have a mental illness. So most people hide it. Most people will deny they have a mental illness. And they mask it with anger, they mask it with toxic leadership, and they mask it with all sorts of issues that uh, create this negative energy that is in the military ranks. Now, I would say about 10 years ago, they started creating this uh, combat operational stress, and they told, they had people parading them around saying, oh, you can come out and say you... You got treatment and you'd be okay to continue your career. But reality is there's still people that have that stigma that if you have a mental illness, you're broken, you're no good, you're not going to be combat effective. And I believe that and I still believe that there are people that have that stigma that if you get help or you go out there and get that treatment that you're not going to be combat effective, you're not going to be able to do your job on the battlefield. Now, I'm sure that a lot of my mental illness uh, while I was deployed manifested itself in anger. I'm pretty sure that that was my defense mechanism when I was depressed. I lashed out in anger. I, um, I was defensive. I would be disruptive. I'd be disrespectful to leadership. Yeah, and, and I look back on it, and that was whenever I was depressed or sad or lonely. It was me being, my depression was kicking in. It was because, and I would 
lash out in anger. Now I wouldn't get in trouble because, you know, overall I was a good, good guy. So I never got that treatment. And what I mean is because of that stigma, I didn't want to get that treatment. You know, we would do post-deployment health assessments and we would do all that stuff. Um, and we would do everything that we needed to do. And I would lie on things if I was having bad days or if I thought if I would see dead people in my dreams or if the bombs that were bursting around me bothered me. And I think, you know, it all just kind of builds up. And a few years ago, I would say in 2017, I reached a point where I was about to kill myself the first time. And it was just a combination of things. And and I went in and I had thought, thought about suicide. I don't know what made me start thinking about suicide. And I was ready to kill myself and I was ready to be done with it all. But in my head, I was thinking I have stuff to live for. I have my kids to live for. I have my kids to live for and my wife to live for. And I think... Uh, my family to live for. And I think that that was what kept me from doing it. So the very next day that I knew that I was at the end, I went and got treatment. And they asked me if I needed to be admitted. And they said it'd be okay if I was admitted. And I thought to myself, no, I'm good. But they put me on medication. And I wasn't worried about the medication. I thought, okay, well, I'll be on medication. And we'll see how it goes. And Amazingly enough, they put me on medication and the medication helped me. And I was on the medication and then I went to started going to counseling and the counseling helped me. The counseling helped me uh, figure out things and uh, see some of the things that I was doing and see some of the stuff that was going on in my life, that how I was dealing with my stress or how I was doing my depression or how I was doing my feelings. And a lot of my anger, I was there to try to make people feel bad, to make them feel as bad as I was feeling. And once the medication started kicking in, I started feeling a hell of a lot better. Now, initially, it started feeling muted. Like, I didn't feel like it was myself. It was just like a lot of the things that would get me mad before, I was just like, okay, whatever. Now, that was kind of a weird feeling. And it was just weird because it was like, okay, it was there. And so it was like, okay, this is happening. But I felt okay. I didn't feel suicidal. I didn't feel any depression. But then there were moments where I would feel a little depression. And I was like, okay, I guess that's the, just, it's going to be normal. And I was taking the medication and I was taking it and then, then the side effects were weird, and it was like, okay, you know, and the side effect was I couldn't, I would have sex with my wife, or I'd be trying to masturbate or whatever, uh, trying to pleasure myself, or having sex with my wife, and I couldn't finish, or if I'd finish, it would take like so long that I'd lose interest in it, and and I think that that... Um, that I share all that with you because it's just real. That's who I am. And if you've listened to this podcast before, 
you know, that I don't, I don't sugarcoat anything. And, and, and I was taking the medication and I was like, this, this is fucking unbelievable. So I, I went with that for a while because I was feeling good on the medication. And I thought, okay, so right as I was getting out of the military, right as I was retiring, I still had a, I had a referral for my psychiatrist and I was trying to transfer TRICARE and my insurance over and I couldn't find a doctor. And it was such a nightmare to find a doctor and I was trying to get a new referral and it's such a pain in the ass, but my my referral was still good. So I was still able to get my, my psychiatrist was still able to see me and it was going good and everything was there and it was pretty good and I was doing all right and I still had medication. And then I would say about July, August time frame, my medication ran out, but I didn't have any kind of, I couldn't get a patient appointment with my TRICARE, so I was frustrated with that, and I hadn't navigated the VA, so I was frustrated with that, so I was like, okay, let me see how it would be without medication. Now, I'm going to tell you this from experience, and there's a big warning out there that says don't don't just stop taking your medication, and I will tell you why, because you're going to feel great initially. It's going to feel real good. Initially, you're going to be like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm feeling again. I'm feeling again. I'm feeling again. But then when you start to feel bad again, this is going to be a spiral downward. And I mean, I spiraled hard. And it was just, I started pushing people away. I started just, it was just a nightmare. And... You know, like Biggie said, I was like, I felt like, you know, slitting my wrist. I felt like just doing whatever, you know, all I could think about was killing myself. And, you know, even just the thought of my kids wasn't good enough anymore. It was just like, you know, I was angry with my wife. Everything she was doing was just pissing me off and my kids were pissing me off. And it was a lot of it was all these feelings that I used to have were being masked by the medication were coming back and it was like oh shit it was like and you know I'm I'm pushing friends away and I'm no not having you know good friends to talk to and you know walk me through this or tell me to get back on medication or or anybody to really really see that I'm really struggling because I've isolated, I've I've kind of isolated from the family, I've just kind of locked myself away, and but I was ready to die. I was ready to be, ready to just not be here anymore. And then the day that I was ready to just be done, I was talking to a friend and they said, go get help. You need to get help. There's nothing I can do for you. You need to get help. And that was the reality check. And it woke me up again because I was ready, so ready to die. And 
I went in and got the help that I needed. I went and drove myself to the VA. Now, I was I was crying along the way, and I was sad along the way, and I was tearful along the way. And I went and talked to the person I talked to. I walked myself in, and the VA system, the mental health has walk-ins, and I appreciated them allowing me to walk in, and, you know, and they sat and talked to me. And they asked me what I was feeling, and, you know, I was just feeling like I was ready to die. And I was honest with them. I didn't try to lie to them. I didn't try to sugarcoat anything. And I told them everything that was going on. And then they asked me if I wanted to be admitted. And I said, yeah. And I was admitted over the weekend at the VA hospital. And I think that if I'm ever going to you know, the VAs get a lot of bad rap. VA hospitals get a lot of bad rap because they, a lot of people complain that they don't get treatment treated well. And I'm going to say this, that my treatment at the VA hospital was top-notch and I got in, they took care of me, they saw that I was in need, I was in crisis, and... They got me in, they got me a bed, they got me back on medication, and they got me stabilized, got me to see that I needed to be on medication, and and I'm perfectly fine. They got me back on a medication that has no fucked up side effects like not being able to ejaculate, which, you know, something as simple as that when you're having sex with your wife uh, is... Definitely important. I know some people may think that it's not important, but, you know, when I was 19, not ejaculating might be cool. But when you're 45 years old, not ejaculating after about 45 minutes and your body starts hurting, that gets old real quick. But, um, you know, I I sit there and think about it. It's like, and yeah, there's things to live for and there's people out there. And I'm going to say this a lot of times, you know, you see on Facebook, you know, there's there's people that post, reach out to somebody, reach out if you want to talk. You know, I'm going to be the person to say this. I'm not the person that's going to reach out. But if you sense something is wrong, if you see somebody that's not posting, that's posting regularly on Twitter or they're posting regularly on Facebook, or you text them irregularly and they're not texting normally, or you're messaging on Facebook Messenger and, and something out of the ordinary, like they stopped doing it, or it's not as regular as it was, I would check on that person. Because maybe they're going through something. If there's something out of the norm, I would check on them. And I would ask them honestly, don't give them lip service. And I, I say that from years of experience. Don't give a person lip service. Don't give me lip service. Because I think that at the end of the day, lip service is just a it's just a waste of time. And I think oh, after all these years, people know when it's lip service. But if you really want to be a friend, check on your strong friends because they needed to. You know, for years I was I was that strong individual never able to show my 
my soft side, never able to show my my vulnerable side. I had to be that strong person. You had to be that rock for everybody else. You had to be that caregiver. I was a, you know, you had to be that person and it gets drained, you get mentally taxed. And I think that that's where, where it all comes down. And after 20 years of being that person, you know, 10 years of leading sailors and taking on their issues and trying to be that emotional support for them and taking on their issues and worrying about them more than they worry about themselves. I think that that's where my issues became harder on me than anything else. And it just becomes overwhelming at times. And now I know that it's not worth all that. It's like I have to take care of myself. And I think self-care is a key issue for me. And I've been getting that self-care. And I think um, knowing that I need that self-care, knowing that I need to be on medication, and knowing that I need to be counseling, and knowing that I need to understand that there are people that are willing to listen, that are checking on me, that are worried about me, and knowing that I need to be alive for my kids, for them to see me, for me to see them grow up, get married, and I see them have kids. That's important, and I and I truly believe that. But I just wanted to share this with you, and I know it's not as closely related to music as I want it to be, but yeah, uh, I appreciate it, and if you listen, I appreciate it. Rate me if you want. Um, I'm glad you listen if you do, and I hope uh, to maybe do this again uh, soon. Thank you.